Hello, everybody. This is Naja Hall, your hostess with the mostest, your favorite life coach. Today, I have a colleague of mine here. Um, we're friends on Instagram, and you know, you all know that I think I'm friends with everybody on Instagram that follows me, even you guys. But she and I have had a chance to have like a few side conversations, and I really appreciate what she's doing. I really appreciate what she's about to do with her career in step family coaching. And I wanted her to come on and share some of her own personal and professional perspectives on this whole thing that we call blended families. So today I'm talking to Amelia. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, a little bit about her. Millie is the wife and mother of two stepson to one. She step, did I say stepson or stepmom? God. <laughs> Yeah, say stuff. You know, guys, I went to my cousin's wedding last night and I've sworn off alcohol, but then last night something happened and I unswore it. And then, you know, so there. So she's a stepmom to one. She and her husband each brought a daughter into their relationship and almost I'll, see i'm reading from her perspective but i'm trying to change the words as i go <laughs> so it's almost 10 years ago and then it added hours baby six years ago she's always had a passion for helping people previous to her current work as a certified step family coach she worked as a personal support worker for almost 10 years in long-term care as well as provided care in a variety of outpatient psychiatric group homes honey and now you've moved from one psychiatric situation <laughs> to another because this blended family life i'm sure has nothing on those psych group homes that you worked in <laughs> amelia what's going on honey how are you today good morning i'm good and i'm so so honored to be here with I'm, you i'm happy that you're here too so today she and i are going to kind of talk about not kind of we're talking about alienation and you all hear me talk about alienation all the time in in all of its forms but amelia and i were having this conversation about just the covert ways that a family can experience alienation now just in case you don't know what parental alienation is it's basically when one parent or one household tries to impede or interfere with the progression of the relationship with the child with their other parent or their other household We've all experienced it. And you know what? I'm going to say this. I'm going to preface it with saying even the most well-meaning parents have alienated sometimes. Just, you know, they're, they're not trying to be malicious, but it's little things that we can say, little things that we can do. I mean, heck, even parents that are raising their biological child together can sometimes say little things. Just because I said, it doesn't mean it's right though. That doesn't excuse the behavior. So, Amelia, I want you to just kind of jump in here and talk about covert alienation, what it means, how it can affect the family and, and the children. All right. So, well, first of all, I've, um, I've experienced different types of alienation throughout my life um, in my personal experiences in my own family. Um, and then um, just seeing it with extended family and also I've coached clients who've experienced different types of alienation. So I kind of have all sorts of different um, front row seats, you could say, to um, the way it can affect children and, and their parents. 
Yeah. Yeah. So covert alienation could be um, something like, you know, a child has no problem going back and forth to both homes, uh, but then you might have one parent who will call the alienating parent say something to the child like, um, well, if you'd rather stay home with me this weekend, you can. Um, mm. I know that there was an upset last time you were with, we'll say dad. Um, and so, you know, it's okay if you don't want to go there, you can just stay home with me. Mm. So while the child maybe wasn't thinking that they wanted to stay home and wasn't really, they were already past that problem. Now that alienating parent has kind of planted a seed of doubt in their mind and making them think, well, yeah, maybe I don't want to go there. Like maybe that problem that I encountered is a big deal. And, um, you know, they look at their, their parent as someone who's protecting them. Right. So when they have a parent that's planting these seeds of doubt, they begin to question themselves and their own feelings, um, which leads to a bunch of, of problems for the child. Mm. Right? Now, this is kind of a rhetorical question, but, you know, because it's one thing for us to understand each person that's a part of our blended family. You know, we talk a lot about stepmoms, we talk about biological dads, biological moms, and the kids, but the alienator is just a whole different monster because they're like the divisive thing that is already that that is trying to tear apart a family that's sometimes just barely hanging on anyway so why would a parent do that why would they say well you know what you don't have to go to your other parents household this weekend you could just stay here like why would they do that i know it's undermining the other parent but what in the heck is that alienator thinking i think uh from my personal perspective in different cases that i've seen I feel like, you know, it can be uh, multiple things. It could be, you know, jealousy of that new family that's forming. So they, they want to alienate their child from the new family that's forming. Mm. Or sometimes, you know, alienation can be short term. So they use these tactics, the child as a weapon, basically, to get what they want out of that target parent. Um, they could be alienating just due to their personal hurt, trying to get back at that target parent for whatever their reasoning is. Um, maybe they're alienating the child because they're insecure with themselves, if that makes sense. So they need, their child is basically their, you know, protector. Um, yeah, that, that, those are, those are the different the different ways I've seen it. Um, right. But a lot of times I, I think that it's um, just being uncomfortable with a new family forming. So they'll alienate their child from that. Mm. I guess, you know what, now that I'm listening, you guys know, I listen to a lot of rap music. It sounds like an alienator is just a big old hater. It's like, you, you, you know, it's like you're literally hating on your child being extremely happy and comfortable to the point to where you can't get over yourself and your own pain and this place that you're stuck in so much so that you want to drag your kid down with you. You want yeah. them. You're like, if I'm going to be in hell over here, then I'm going to make sure that my kid is too. Like you're a big ass hater. You know, it, like if you're an alienator, Oh my God, you are. So Amelia, you mentioned, and I have to, you all know, Miss Naja, I don't hold back. You know, I started my entire 
business because of the severe alienation that my family was experiencing and it was bad and sometimes it still is i mean you know life is it is what it is so you you mentioned that you had experienced it personally you also you and your household have also felt the pains of alienation uh talk about that a little bit yeah so um i mean personally myself um i've experienced so the type of alienation where the parent um the parent chooses to alienate themselves from the child um, I've experienced that. Mm, what does um, that mean? They alienate themselves from the child. Well, basically when they remove themselves from the child's life. Oh, um, oh, dang. So I've experienced that um, personally, and I've seen it um, in, in my own family in different ways as well. Mm. Um, I've also seen alienation due to a parent's own behaviors. So meaning abuse of some kind or drug and alcohol addiction. Yeah. Um, so that that's been another way. Uh, I'm sorry, I kind of went off topic there. What it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You know, it's interesting though. You kind of brought up something that I hadn't thought about because when I speak on alienation, um, mm-hmm. personally, professionally, it's direct things that a parent is doing to blatantly separate their child from their other parent. Right. Um, yeah. But I've never considered a parent can alienate themselves just by taking themselves out of the equation. And that's also a form of, that can be a form of punishment. You know, children can really see themselves as I'm not worthy of having this parent's presence in my life. So I guess I kind of want to go there a little bit because I I hadn't planned on going there the day, but (laughs) there are some of us that are step parenting and co-parenting without that biological parent in the picture. And it's just because they're being malicious and they're able-bodied and they're, you know, they're alive, but they're just not doing it. So what does that look like? Um, I mean, it, it definitely causes the child, young or old, to, like you were saying, just kind of question themselves and question their worth. Um, and that really affects all different aspects um, of their life, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah. Right. So I want to kind of pivot back to your bio because I think it's so interesting. I love all things psychology. I study how the mind works every single day. Um, You worked in a psychiatric ward. Yeah. So here I'm in Ontario, Canada. So I don't know exactly how things work in the States, but. Oh, we got a lot of Canadian. We have a lot of Canadian listeners. Um, Yeah. So I worked. in a, in a group home with outpatient, um, outpatient. With okay. outpatient. So basically they're people who were discharged from the hospital, but they're not yet capable to live on their own or they never would be capable to live on their own. So these homes can be, you know, four residents, six residents. I worked in a home where we had 21 residents. Um, so yeah, we what? provide... Okay. I mean, we don't provide like bathing and things like that, but we, you know, cook their meals and administer medication um, and help oh. them with tasks like that. Yeah. Okay. That's, so is this, this might be kind of a generalized question, but was there a median age and a, like a, an affliction that you saw that was more common amongst the people in the group homes? Um, a general age. Um, I would say 
generally in your in the thirties and up. Um, and what was like the general the the typical affliction? Like, would it be schizophrenia? Would it um, be bipolar? Most were schizophrenic. Um, some were bipolar. Some were diagnosed um, manic depressive. Um, but most would be schizophrenic. And I actually have um, a lot of experience with that. We have a, a family member who suffered from schizophrenia. Um, so my grandparents became very much involved um, with Canadian Mental Health Association. And they started a, an activity group that my family became a big part of and we volunteered. And so that's kind of what got me in that direction of working with, with psychiatric patients and, and just helping them with their daily lives. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> with, with ailments like this, because the podcast is called, I know I'm crazy. And that's in no way to disrespect anyone that because, uh, you know, the word crazy is a derogatory term. And the reason I call the podcast crazy, because I was like, listen, I feel like everybody has a, a tinge of crazy in us, not meaning these people that are diagnosed, you know, no, that's, yeah. that's, that's in no way to disrespect them. Um, but on one hand, you know, there's a lot, like, how do I put this gently? Hmm. Whew. Cause you all know. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> what I've read studies show that when people have high conflict divorces it's more than likely because one of the divorcees has a mental illness or a personality disorder that's diagnosed or undiagnosed um and that makes things more contentious and so one thing that i've realized is yeah a lot of couples that i coach a lot of people that listen to this podcast they may have not been married to their co-parent but they too experience the high conflict nature of this person and what I am learning, what I'm learning is that if a person is committed or they seem to committed to being so conflicted all the time and they don't seem to care about their children's well-being and they have um, a temper that is just very unpredictable, more than likely this person is battling something far deeper than the surface. They're just, they're more than an alienator. They're possibly undiagnosed or um, mistreated or not taking the right medication or not at all right how and this is a very dangerous thing to go because i'm not you know i'm not a therapist and as far as i know you're not one either no, so I'm not. I'm yeah not. so neither one of us are are we don't have the letters behind our name that qualify us to give a person a title of being uh schizophrenic or this and that but she has worked in you know, she's worked in a group home with people that are suffering from manic depression and bipolar and, and, and all this. So I kind of looking into some of these ailments, what are the things that we, we should look for in a person that in our lives that just might not be diagnosed that we're kind of thinking they are, that they should be with something. Cause we know something ain't quite right, but what should we look for? What are the telltale signs that this person is dealing with something more that's just being pissed off today? Well, I mean, when you're looking at something like schizophrenia, um, you know, you're, you might see someone being delusional or, or hallucinating um, or just okay. general paranoid about things that, you know, wouldn't require you to be paranoid about. Um, but otherwise, I mean, 
um, changes in their mood, like drastic changes in their mood. Mm, uh oh, uh oh, <laughs> check one box. <laughs> might might be something. I mean, it, it's really difficult, and I obviously I'm not like you said. I'm not a professional. I can't speak from a professional. Right. So you're speaking from observation. But I yeah, and and I mean I think there are a lot of people that suffer um, from mood disorders. Um, that do go undiagnosed, maybe a lot of times because they don't even understand what's going on with themselves mm. and they don't even realize, they just think that's the way that I am. Um, and, and I think too, it's difficult to help, well, I know it is difficult to help people that are suffering because many times people who are suffering with a mental illness don't think they have a mental illness. And mm. so, therefore, like you can't force help upon them. You can suggest it. Um, even when um, my family member was in the thick of schizophrenia and suffering horribly, there was no one could force this person to take medication or to be in the hospital. Um, no and, one could force them. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's the tricky part when you can see um, maybe you're dealing with an ex that you can see that they are suffering. It's, it's difficult because how do you, how can you, first of all, I mean, it's generally a, a pretty um, difficult situation to begin with. So if you were to approach the ex and say, Hey, I think maybe you are suffering from some sort of mental illness that probably wouldn't go over very well. I don't think that conversation right? would, I don't, yeah, I don't think that conversation is going to go at all okay. the way you planned it. Nah. So I think maybe we just need to learn um, when we're dealing with an alienator, we, we also need to learn I guess how to like patience, um, understand, Oof. understand, try and understand. Like sometimes when alienating is coming from hurt, I think it's important that we understand where that hurt is coming from and try and be empathetic to that. Okay. So where's the hurt coming from then? Well, I mean, I think sometimes when a relationship breaks down, I mean, you don't get married to get divorced and you don't have a baby to, to break up and have to raise it separately so ultimately when there's the breakdown of a of a marriage or a relationship there's generally some form of hurt there and even if you're the person that that ended the relationship that doesn't necessarily mean that you're ready to see that ex-partner move on with their life and when they do you know that might bring up feelings of hurt or resentment or anger and so then that person might start acting out and that might be the cause of just they're a crappy human being, or maybe it is a cause of some form of mental illness. Mm. And everybody, one thing I notice is everybody wants to call their ex a narcissist. Everybody, <laughs> every woman wants to call her baby daddy a narcissist, and yeah. every dude wants to call his baby mama bipolar. You know, and and these words have become so convoluted. These words mm -hmm. with some very serious meaning have become so convoluted because, you know, we people read um you know they google one thing and they're like oh my god yeah. that's them yeah they they said this they do this yeah and there's so much more to actually getting a diagnosis and like like amelia said people just aren't going to get diagnosed they don't think anything's wrong or they have a lot of people in their lives that will coddle them mm -hmm. they won't call out the behavior but one telltale sign i know is they have a difficult time maintaining relationships. Yes. 
because you know unlike you if you're the person that's co-parenting with this person you can't just leave you gotta kind of deal with them but when they're meeting new people you're gonna see like a string of a whole bunch of relationships like if it's your ex and they're always throwing this new person up in your face by now you probably know that this relationship is going to last about 90 days to six months until they have their first episode and that person's going to look and be like oh hell no i'm not not invested enough to stay with this and they're going to go so that's one of the things that that'll kind of help you realize like wait a minute does your partner share kids with a loony are your stepkids driving you up a wall is your partner failing miserably at setting boundaries well, VIP Stepmom is where you need to be. We're an exclusive private community just for stepmoms, and we'd love for you to join our tribe. Each month, our members enjoy private conversations, podcasts, expert workshops, a subscription to Stepmom Magazine, and monthly live Zoom meetings. If you're ready to join a diverse community that is committed to making sure you live your best life, visit VIP Stepmom today. We'll save a seat for you. VIP, VIP, stepmoms, that's you and me. So talking more about covert, let's get back on track. Cause I could talk about, yeah. I could talk about psych stuff all day. Oh my God. I probably need to go like get a part-time job in a psych ward just so I can see for myself. Cause every time I have somebody come on that has the experience that you had, Amelia, I, mm-hmm. Amelia, I asked them a, a million questions about that. Like, so what was it like? What did they say? What if they eat? Did they try to bite you? Like, you know, I ask, I just need to go and learn, you know, instead yeah. of asking ignorant questions like that. So, anyhow, getting back to covert alienation, mm-hmm. um, what does covert alienation do to the child? Well, I, I feel like it makes them question their own mind. Like, like I was saying, you know, they, they, they go to one parent's house and they feel like they're they're happy and they're having a good time and everything's okay and then they return to the alienator's home and things are said you know maybe the child says oh i had an argument with so and so at dad's house and so then the alienator takes that and rather than being supportive of the child and teaching them positive ways to deal with conflict, they act like a child themselves and play into that conflict. Oh, right. Oh, they so, sure do. You know, mm. for example, like, you know, well, I don't like at dad's house that I have to share a bedroom. And so rather than saying, you know, well, having a roommate can be a lot of fun or, you know, dad doesn't really have an extra room. And I bet if he did, he would most definitely give you an extra, like give right. you your own. Um, but, you know, that's just not something that's possible right now. But instead says, yeah, that's really awful that you have to share. I can't believe that you have to share. I wouldn't want to share either. Oh God. Um, you know, and just kind of playing into it and, so that's covert because they're not they're not necessarily saying dad's a horrible person. They're just agreeing with the child that yes, that's a crappy situation and I wouldn't want that either. So it's really difficult because the child doesn't know what's happening to them. Right. The child doesn't see that as being manipulative. And it's also hard for the parent, the target parent to discuss it with the child because there's not outright negative things being said. Like a child isn't coming back and saying, well, 
you know, my, my mom said that I don't have to come here because I don't have a bedroom. That's not, right. that's not what's being said. So it's very difficult to even approach the child because you have to be really careful when talking about this with kids, because you don't want to make them fearful of their other parent and you don't want to make them, or you don't want to speak negatively about the other parent. Um, you know, it's really important that no matter how we feel as parents and step parents, that that's, that's our own issues. Right. right. And that doesn't right. ever, you know, children don't ever need to hear about, about that. Nah, not from so us anyway, especially. Yeah, so it's really, really difficult um, to, to, to talk about it with them and to even, to even pinpoint what's going on, what's mm-hmm. causing it. Right. Yeah. Um, even like a child who displays affection towards the target parent and then the alienating parent is present and the, you know, the demeanor changes and, you know, that kind of indicates that they need to keep their love and their feelings towards that target parent a secret um, because they don't want to appear disloyal to that alienating parent. They don't want to upset them. They don't want to give that alienating parent a reason to um, push them away as well. Right. Right. And you know, one thing that always kind of surprises me is I've heard a lot of children who I know for a fact have been alienated because I've seen it. I've read it. I, you know, it's like, I've heard it. I, I've witnessed it. And they will say, well, my mom doesn't talk bad about you and dad. <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, you know, my head will explode and my eyes will bulge out of my face. Like, are you, are you serious? Yeah. And it's what you said, Amelia. It's exactly what you said. Like the other parent will find these backbiting ways to dismantle dad's authority or mom's authority or the step parents authority yes they'll find ways to make these little you know they're they're not comments that are creating gaping wounds in a child's heart but they're like pricking them a little bit Uh, yeah absolutely it's just like and the child would really think that their other parent is a saint because they've never spoken ill of the other parent. And it's like, wow, how do we, how do we open our children's eyes to what's happening to them? Or in your opinion, I know what my opinion is on this, but what does Amelia think? Like, do we tell our kid what's happening to them or do we just not say anything? Or how do we, how would you suggest somebody handle that? You know, I think it really depends on the age of the child, for starters, Um, age-appropriate conversations. Obviously, you're not going to have the same conversation with a five-year-old that you would with a 15-year-old. Yeah. Um, So that is one thing. Um, I think that it's really important to just maintain positive visits. So when the child does come to the target parent's home, make sure that it's a positive time. Don't, don't hold a grudge against the child because at the end of the day, the child's the one being manipulated and they don't even have the brain capacity to even, even understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't hold them accountable. Um, make time, make sure that the, the bio parent, the target parent has one-on-one time with that child mm-hmm. um, and make sure that as a family, if, if you're in a, a step family situation as well, make sure that you have some like positive interactions throughout that visit as well with everyone. Um, because it's going to be more difficult for an alienating parent to plant those seeds of doubt 
if you're always having positive experiences you know mm, yeah and it right. sounds like the, the the next thing that the alienating parent is going to have to do is just to limit your ability to have positive experiences because if they know every time i send the kid over there the kid's having a great time mm-hmm. now what can i do to hate a little bit more how can i yeah. be more of a hater you know what i can convince a child that they don't have to go over there i can t- i can yeah. let them know that it's really bad and that's it, it, it sucks because like i always say kids really sympathize and identify more with their weaker parent in most cases yes and the parent that's doing the alienating is the weaker parent parent. absolutely yeah you know because if you have to hate on your co-parent like you don't have it all you you know that you're missing something in the parenting arena and your only way of getting a one-up or making yourself feel like you have a one-up on the other household is to hate Jeez, my, my voice sounds really deep today. I just noticed that. Does it sound deep to you? No. God, I told Amelia before this, we were partying all day yesterday and I was screaming a lot. So I'm surprised <laughs> I have a voice right now. <laughs> so I, I think, um, you know, it's the battlefield of the mind is, I mean, it's one of my favorite books that I've read before. And, you know, just looking at how people have been brainwashed culturally in some societies you know, it's like, where do we start to take out some of the lies that a person has been told? And I do think it's pertinent to start when they're very young and to teach them. And like Amelia said, age appropriate, of course. Yeah. And I think too, like when it's covert alienation, that's what I mean. It's difficult to find Mm -hmm. ways to have that conversation when it's outward alienation and a, you know, a child, a 10 year old child is, is, coming to your home and saying, I hate you because you cheated on mom. Oh God. You know, things like, Oh God. Like what? Something like that. That is not something I've experienced. I'm just using that as an example. Yeah. You you know, it, that is when you could say, um, you know, you can correct the lie. If that happens to be a lie, you can correct the lie. Um, You know what I would say? I would say, (laughs) who told you that? Who, who, who told you that? Uh, and the kid is going to probably hold their head down and get really bashful. And they're going to say, who told you that? You don't want to tell me who told you that? Let me explain something to you. Have I ever been bad to you? Have I ever cheated on you? Have I ever shown you that I don't love you? Have I not taken care of you? Now tell me, what does this have to, what you just said, what does that have to do with anything? Whoever told you something, I'm saying, I'm not going to, you didn't tell me who told you. So I'm not going to say your mother said that, but I'm going to say whomever told you that is lying to you. Okay. They're not telling you the truth, baby. And you have to understand it in this house. Cause I always teach children, Amelia, I don't care if they're my stepkids, niece or nephew, you send your children to me, then Mm -hmm. they're going to get Miss Naja treatment. I'm going to love them all the same. Yeah. And one thing that I encourage children to do is to question authority. Yes. The question now respectfully, okay, like to respectfully question authority, but you don't believe everything, especially a child that's been alienated, because when they grow up, they're not going to know how to question authority because they've been uh, parented by a tyrant their entire life who's told them how to think. So the child that's being alienated, if you are a person and your kid's being alienated and you're not doing anything about it to combat that right now, they're going to grow up being easily manipulated and controlled because that's what's happening to them in their childhood. Right. They're going to look for partners that are going to tell them what to do, how to dress, how to think, Absolutely. where to go. Absolutely. And, that, and that's, 
yeah, yeah, a long-term effect of alienating behavior is, yeah, people mm -hmm. end up in these situations of abuse or control, um, often not even understanding why. Um, yeah. And it's kind of our jobs to shake that up a little Absolutely. and to make them question, why did you say what you said? I, I, I have this thing with my stepkids, especially they'll, they'll be on YouTube all day or, you know, it'll be <laughs> a free day or something. And then the next day they'll ask me for a, to download a game that they saw in an ad. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Ms. can I download, uh, I'm just going to make up a name, cotton candy game. And I'm like, well, why do you want that game? Well, because it's fun, you know, and the kids advertisements for children, they're full of pretty colors yes. and they look really alluring and, but they cost us parents a lot of money <laughs> if you're not careful. Yeah. Yeah. And I always say, well, why do you want that game? Well, I, I saw it. Well, I said, well, where did you hear about the game? Um, on TV, I think. And then, you know, it's called media. It's probably TV programming for a reason. It's meant to program our minds. Mm -hmm. So those of us that are not aware we'll be watching these commercials and all of a sudden we'll think it's an original idea that we have why we want some fruity pebbles or why we want to download the cotton candy game. Right. And so just teaching children to be extremely aware of what they're allowing to penetrate their minds. And that's at any age, like, Hey, like what little kids will say, Hey, that's a commercial. They're telling you what to think. Mm -hmm. And some people might think it's extreme, but I want a child to be able to determine, to decipher between what the media is telling them um, or an outside influence or heck even another parent is telling them and their own original thoughts and you know this is something that I feel like a lot of us should encourage our children to do it's just we can start by just making them aware of media and commercials and why they feel like they desire certain things when I was a kid I wanted a certain type of sneaker oh yeah <laughs> I bet I mean it was like $150 and what's a 10 year old I, and I didn't have anybody's job to go to I was going to sit at school all day. What did I need with a $150 pair of shoes? But, you know, just the programming, seeing my friends with it and seeing it on television and those, those amazing Air Jordan commercials that literally would make you think that you could fly. Yes. I, I wanted that. And so yeah. I feel like if we allow alienation to persist and, and to continue, that's what happens with our child's mind. Yeah, and absolutely. It's a sucky thing. Yeah, I mean, there's so many... Um short-term and long-term effects of alienation like so let's talk about those let's kind of go into those what are some of the short and long-term effects of alienation um so i mean anxiety being one of them just this constant unsettled feeling um sleep disruptions mm. sleep disruptions yeah which could be nightmares could be inability to sleep um and that's not something that we even think about. No, but it, it presents these, the alienating just, it affects mm. the child in so many different ways. You know, um, eating, you know, overeating or undereating. Um, so like eating. a lack of confidence, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, lack of confidence. Um, digestive issues, which you could relate back to anxiety. So let me ask you this, because I know we care. Everybody, everybody that's listened to this, we care about these sleep disorders, digestive issues, uh, future depression, anxiety. How the heck do you make the person that's doing the alienating care about all this stuff, though? Well, and that's the problem, is sometimes the alienator, even when you present that to them, um, still continues to deny it. Or, you know, you suggest that 
if, if the child suddenly doesn't want to visit or wants to only visit one day instead of two days or whatever, and you suggest that, you know, hey, I'm noticing that my child is, is having some difficulty with this divorce or with whatever, I think we should seek some counseling, you know, to help them. Mm -hmm. And the alienating parent just flat out, absolutely no, they don't need help, they're perfectly fine. Um, so it, it is really difficult to deal with sometimes because sometimes I feel like there's not really an answer. And no. sometimes you might, you might have to seek legal action if that's, you know, in your budget. Um, and you, when you do seek legal action, you need to make sure you have a lawyer that has, um, that understands parental alienation because not all of them do. Right. Right. And that is the tricky part about it is the court system. Uh, I'm not even going to say these drill down to these attorneys, um, the people making the laws, then the people presiding over your cases, and then the people that are litigating your cases, all the way from the lawmakers to the judges to the attorneys, have a difficult time understanding alienation. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, because you got to think about it. It's, our, it's a lawyer's job to convince a court of law, strangers, mm -hmm. of something. And it's kind of like what an alienator does. So if you find an attorney that knows what parental alienation is, and they, they're going to have to probably request a psyche eval and they're going to have to um, request that the child takes a stand. And then you got to run the risk of the judge understanding right. it. Cause right. alien, like I said, alienation happened to a lot of us. I'm an adult. My parents have been married for 43 years now. Oh, wow. My mom has alienated me from my dad and I'm going to, I'm going to call my mama out. You guys have heard her on this podcast before, probably. Or you've seen her on some of my YouTube or whatever. Um, she's done stuff like that before too. And my dad has as well. So, so many of us grew up being groomed uh, because our parents wanted us to think a certain way. And like mm -hmm. Amelia said, you don't know what to trust is for your own good and really to your detriment. You just, you have to grow up and learn that. And by that time, it's too late. Yeah. And then, you know, another thing as you grow up um, and maybe you realize that you have been alienated from a parent, you know, there's these feelings of excessive guilt because then you understand what has happened and you've lost all that time with that target parent. Um, you know, so that, that has a whole other side to it, you know, and then you see things like depression or maybe drug and alcohol abuse to, to minimize, try and es escape those feelings. Um, and even questioning your own ability to think for yourself or trust mm. your own judgment because once you realize you've been manipulated by a person that quote unquote loves you, um, and it really does make you question everything. Mm, right. Exactly. Gosh. And I guess like you, like you said, there's really nothing we can do to make the parent that is victimizing this child care because that would mean they would have to have changed behavior and they would have to change your whole narrative. And they'll have to sit down with their kid and say, hey, so everything I told you about your other household, <laughs> I lied. I, I, I was wrong. I was weak. I was in a very sick place. I lied. And a lot of people's ego is just too massive or they're too insecure to, to go there with their child and undo the damage that they've done. 
Yeah, I think maybe, you know, maybe there are some cases where you could speak to someone that's close to that alienating parent. Yeah. And maybe try and get them to talk some sense into them. Okay, okay. But, but I think a lot of times it's just, you know, maintaining contact with the child as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, like, don't let the child and the parent and the alienating parent, you know, decide when the visits will happen. Follow the schedule. Follow the visitation schedule. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just kind of be persistent with with what you're doing. And, and sometimes it can feel helpless, but, you know, try not to give up. Try to maintain that contact no matter what. Right. Try to maintain contact. Try to stay in your kids' lives because your presence is probably going to be the only thing that's going to combat um, the lies that your child is being told. And on top of that, teaching them how to decipher what they're being told and what they actually see, feel, and experience. Well, exactly. I mean, if, if the alienator is saying, you know, dad doesn't love you, dad doesn't want to, dad doesn't want to be around, dad doesn't care, but dad's still always showing up to pick you up dad's still always calling every night or texting or emailing so then the 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 child has to question you know well if he really doesn't want me so much why why doesn't he just go away you know so they then they can kind of question or they might begin to see like the alienator Mm -hmm. what they're saying doesn't necessarily make sense yeah, I mean, you know, and and a layer on top of that, I'm, I'm a firm believer in calling it out. Because if you know your child is being told that you don't love them, and you you know this is the, because it's a battle at this point, it becomes not a fair fight anymore. Because I don't believe you can't not say anything. You can't afford to stay silent when the other person is so loud on the other end, and you're going to have to balance that out with not only showing love, displaying it, but constantly reminding this child that, Hey, listen, you understand that I love you, right? You understand that I need you and want you in my life. And I deserve to be present in your life. Just like everybody else. I don't care. You know, if you're told something different, baby, then we can talk about it when you're older, but I need you to look at me and understand right now that mama or daddy or stepmom or stepdaddy, I love you. And you know, like positive reinforcement, especially to a child that's being alienated because it's like their mind is under attack. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And you know, you just don't put a bandage on a, on a sore that's being attacked that on on an open wound, you have to clean that thing out. You have to dress the wound. You have to tend to it every single day. And so this is what I feel like we have to do with our children that we know we, we, we owe it to them. You know, we owe it to them. They didn't ask to be here. They didn't ask to be alienated. They surely didn't ask to have a parent that um, is abusing them because it's straight up abuse. Let's call it what it is. Absolutely. And and going back to to how could you handle it? I mean, depending on the relationship that you have with the ex, if if you can have kind of a, a gentle conversation with them, because sometimes alienating um, isn't done on purpose. Maybe these things aren't even being said on purpose. Maybe yeah. they don't even understand. So maybe sometimes depending on your communication with the ex, you know, you could approach them and say, you know, this is the way it's coming across. And, 
you know, but I think it has to and be. They're going to be like, oh my God, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, I, I mean, like, in a perfect, do that. Like, I in a perfect world, in a perfect okay. world, that, that can be a scenario. Not for everyone, though. Amelia, they're going to be like, we don't even talk about you over here, okay? (laughs) My kids don't even bring you up. They don't even think about you. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then. It's so frustrating. You know, it's it's like, it's beyond frustrating to to have to deal with that. But just imagine how much it sucks for the kid. If it sucks for us adults that don't have to live in the house with an alienator, just imagine how much it sucks for the child. Well, and that's why I think, you know, anxiety and all the different issues that come with anxiety are so prominent with alienated children because having to live through that day in and day out and having to constantly, you know, be one person for one parent and one person for another, um, mm, you know, yeah, it's, it's, on, it's such a sad situation, really. This kid has to practice duality just to exist. That yeah, is... I mean, all these kids really just deserve an award for, you know, best actor or actress because that's basically what they have to do. Oh, gosh. Mm-mm-mm. So, Amelia, this has been such an amazing time talking to you and getting to know you. And I know everybody from both my podcasts is going, they're going to have um, some questions. They're probably going to want to come and find you. So, where can we find you, follow you, like, support, subscribe, all that good stuff? Um, well, you can find me on my website at lanestepfamilycoaching.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, uh, lane.stepfamily.coaching. Um, yeah, so those are my platforms, and you can pop on over and say hello. Oh, wait, one more question. Geez, I, you know, I always like to ask my fellow coaches this. So what made you decide to become a coach? I, you know, like we talked about earlier, I was a personal support worker for 10 years in a nursing home. I worked with psych patients and just from, since I was a child volunteering at, at the activity group with my family, I just loved helping people. And I became a stepmom and I kind of, drowned you could say in step family stressors and didn't know how to deal and I found you yes (laughs) I found you and I I found some other amazing people who provided fantastic advice and tools and I thought to myself you know what I really once I was able to kind of get myself in a good place and get my step family in a good place I thought you know I really want to be a person that can help step families to to overcome these situations because it can be a great life it it really can and there can be happiness and there's a lot of positives so yeah that's that's what yeah i love it yeah i love it i like i love asking people you know what's your why because i I feel like like it's the same thing for me you know i jumped in this head first and i was just like Oh, this is this, oh hell no! What's happening here? <laughs> yeah, what's going like, on? Oh hell no! Like, are you serious? People, yeah. I knew I needed help. I know that people need help. So, and I think there's a lane for all of us. That's why I always like to have a lot of coaches on here um, because Miss Naja can't individually help everybody. But you know, you all can join VIPStepmom.com, and I'm coming out with stuff for biological moms. You can, if you're a bio mom, you can buy girl buy. She's not going anywhere. Neither are you. Um, so I have stuff for everybody in in the family, and I do try to help everybody. But one thing I know is that there's a lane for us all, 
and there's enough out here for all of us and i love i love what you're doing i love what you're building and you got my full support honey you oh, thank you follow her go find amelia follow her like her and make sure you tell her naja sent ya <laughs> all right i will see you all next time thank you so much for being here <laughs> I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. Not your heart.